Most of you guys out there have heard that you are like the people you hang out with. Get the five closest friends and you're going to be a lot like each other in the years to come. Same thing can be said with books. When I go into somebody's house and I'm visiting and I see a bookshelf, I immediately gravitate over because I know if I look at the books, I can get an idea of who this person is, what they value and how they think and how they spend their time. If they have almost no books, that tells me something about them. If they have a lot of books, but they're of a certain sort, well, I know something about them too, but especially when we have a commonality of like, I can really make a beeline for the bookshelf and know an amazing amount about this person, whether we're going to be buddies or not. I've been deeply influenced by certain books over the years. It's not okay. It's not enough just to read. You got to read the right stuff. And when you do, it can really change your mind and heart in a really, really good way. Today, I've got a special guest. He's a buddy of mine, Harrison Cohn. He's an author, a young up-and-comer. You really need to check out his book, Saber Down. That's not the point of this. The point of what we're going to get into is we're going to talk about books that have left an indelible mark on our lives. It's not necessarily like the greatest books of all time, though we certainly will get into some of those. It's the ones that set our hearts and our minds on fire and continue to affect us to this day. So for this episode, you're going to want to make sure you have something to make notes with so that you can go out and buy a bunch of books later and make sure you read them will be better for it. Now, without further ado, we'll go into our title package. And when we come back, you'll see Harrison Cohn has magically materialized beside me. Well, it has no shame because it is time for the shameless plug. John, tell us a little bit about what we've got on the site from ShivWorks. Yeah, today we've got sticky things for our shameless plug. This right here is a push dagger. Also, I'm wearing on me the clinch pick, which is right here. It has a downward diagonal pull, so it's really easy to grab and then hit with a blade on the upside because it's meant for grabbing and then using your greater muscles here to rip up. So it's an up close, kind of like wrestling, entangled gun fight, gun and knife fighting tool. Love the clinch pick. Love the push dagger, which goes on war belts. These things are great for opening letters, uh, boxes, uh, jugulars, and other greater arterial veins. Uh, so that somebody can bleed out in an epic slow way. So anyway, sticky stabby things, pretty darn cool. Push daggers go on war belts and then clinch picks for everyday carry. So anyway, incredible tools. Highly, highly, highly recommend. I mean, clearly we wouldn't have them on our website if we didn't recommend them. This has been your shameless plug. Back to the video. Guys, welcome back. Hey, Harrison. Say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. Awesome. We are jumping into the books that affected us the most. This will be fiction and nonfiction category, but I thought we'd start out a little bit more contrarian. I want to know books that like made a big splash. They're really big deal books, but they fell flat with you. So Give me one, and we'll just kind of go tit for tat, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but what is a book that crushed for others, but not for you? The Count of Monte Cristo what? by Alexander Dumas. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's yeah. listed as one of my I, favorite I fiction knew, books. It's that, number. That, that's why it's fell flat for me. What? Why? How? <laughs> all right. How? So my favorite movie of all time. I feel like rendering my garments yeah, right now. A ashes on your head. Bro. My favorite movie of all time is The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. With Jim Caviezel and Guy Pierce. It did fantastic. It's amazing. I yeah. love everything about it. Um, but when I read the book, I had to like gr like grind through it with like just a sense of, I don't want to read this anymore because mm. the book, the movie has such a, it's not the same story. So at all. So the problem is, is you watch the movie I before the, the movie book. before. And I Do went you think that was book. the death knell? Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. Okay. The movie so, has one story. I went into the book, like expecting to have that story fleshed yep. out deeper. Yep. And it's not the same story at all. Very good. Not the same character relationships, nothing. Mm. And so I recognize okay. the grandeur and the magnificence of the Count of Monte Cristo and yep. all the wonder that it holds just fell flat. That is should, very... That's, should you read it? Yes. That's very upsetting to me. All right, I've got one. I've right. got three of them listed. One of them is going to really tick a lot of people off there because there's going to be some folks that say this particular one, but I'll start off a little easier. Uh, the Brothers Karmazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Mm. Not uh, No? Yeah, no. Um, so it was like Einstein's favorite book and oh, a lot of the philosophers. It's like really, really important book. So, uh, but uh, anyway... 
I didn't like that very much. Uh, one of the main characters, the protagonist, he was representing kind of like the more um, contrite of heart and the a believer. And then there was more of like a secular person. They were having arguments back and forth. Yeah. These were the brothers Karmazov. Uh, and I just thought on the one hand, the more pious of the two, uh, his arguments were weak, and I found him just nasally and obnoxious. Uh, so anyway, I, 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 I tediously finished that book, but it wasn't the great work that uh, all these great minds think. And perhaps it's because their minds are great, and I'm, I'm the village idiot who tried to kick kick rocks above my pay grade. That metaphor didn't even make sense. Uh, quickly, save me. Give me another I was going to say it's probably because you're human. <laughs> but uh, for me, the second one is Dune by Frank Herbert. Okay, I haven't read it, but I saw the movie, the new one. Amazing. It was spectacular. It's amazing. I can't wait for part two, November. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, Dune part one and part two of the book, phenomenal. Like, excellent. Okay. Just some of the best writing I've ever read. Part mm. three, Frank Herbert, like, trips out on LSD and finishes the book. Like, it's just... Is that a true story? No, I have no idea. That's okay. the only rational explanation I have where you have a masterpiece in the making, and then it just all crumbles apart. Man, all right. Very good. So if you're going to read Dune, stop at one and two. Stop. Well, you should read the whole book. Okay. But only if you want to read it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my second one, uh, I had really high expectations for this book. I had great expectations. It was Dickens' great expectations. Uh, and it was not good. I did not enjoy the book. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic, yeah. incredible writer, uh, but I, I kept waiting for the story to kind of resolve. Mm. And I think I read it early enough in my life when I wasn't as acquainted with the plight of just literature in general. Oftentimes literature, particularly 20th century literature, it's not going anywhere. You're just jumping in someone else's shoes, walking around, seeing life. You know, of like I, I always expect Hemingway of like, teach me some great moral lesson. And it doesn't happen. It's just yeah. a, a meandering through events and seeing through yeah. someone else's eyes and their perspectives and stuff. And then you're out and you're kind of like, well, what's the point? Mm. And no, no, no. A lot of literature, there's not a point. There's not like this right. epic adventure uh, cascading up into a final satisfying resolution. Mm. And so Great Expectations, I'd read as an early classic, thinking that that would Resolving it, it wasn't. It was just, I just didn't like it. So, your turn. I think last for me would be The Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah. That, I'm upset about that, too. Yeah, yeah. so super popular, yeah. famous book, worldwide phenomenon. Um, but I didn't even, I couldn't even finish it. No. It was, I got halfway through, and it's just so full of, as a Christian, just so full of, like, lies and manipulation. Yeah, it is. That I was just like, you know what, it I is. can't. I can't finish this, so... That's right. Uh, and I also read Dan Brown's Angels and Demons, which, again, if Brown is an incredible writer. Oh, it's amazing. really awesome. Yeah. And to attach to the biblical historical narratives and, you know, kind of like the conspiracy theory, I, I mm -hmm. can understand why that was attractive and why it's yeah. titillating for people to jump into. Uh, but it's rewriting solid history that's mm -hmm. incredibly important. So it's it's uh, treading on sacred ground, and yeah. I didn't appreciate it's it like either. It's like undoing all that has made the world great in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, The Shack, I uh, forget mm -hmm. who wrote it, but it is technically heresy. It's technically heresy, uh, though it's really good writing style. Of like, hey, this is really fun, and I love how relatable they make God. I'm like, no, it's heresy. <laughs> it literally is. So uh, anyway, all right, uh, so there's some—I uh, I owe a third, uh, a third book— and that's Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And this will piss a lot of people off in the comments as well, because a lot of our warrior poet community, they're more of stoic philosophers. Mm -hmm. And I get that. And so don't think I'm throwing a stone at you like you're not one of us. I'm like, you're one of us. Just the work I found a little bit obnoxious in the earlier parts, this already uh, irritated me. Aurelius is kind of talking with his group of men, and they're kind of like old curmudgeons looking down on everyone else and kind of slapping themselves on the back. It kind of had that mm, vibe yeah. to it, and it was obnoxious. And um, some of the stuff was, was you know, obviously very good, and others just very obvious. And uh, I don't know, I, I was looking for something that I could personally glean from these meditations, and I kept expecting to get some great nugget, yeah. and it never came. And what I realized is Christianity gave me everything that Stoicism offers and more, and more, and more of like, I have no need of Stoicism. All the benefits are in Christianity and none of the weaknesses. And so yeah. for me, Augustine. 
Yes. And I've, uh, yeah, Augustine's Confessions, I read on a, a beach on vacation once. And it really, really put a damper on that. That was not good light oh, reading geez. for a hammock on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's going through such inner turmoil and agony. But Augustine's Confessions, yeah, it was not a good beach read. Uh, so did you have any others that sprung to mind? No. Great books. So let's get into the stuff that we really, really yeah, like. Let's. Mine is in no particular order, and I've got fiction and nonfiction. Okay. Uh, and my fiction category is a little bit bigger than nonfiction. Before we that jumped in, though. surprises me. Does it really? It does, yes. Okay, so are you, uh, do you like fiction or nonfiction I am, more? I am a fiction guy through and through. Okay, so answer this. Um, I'm a guy who wants to grow. And uh, fiction is nice and all, but I want, uh, give me facts, give me improvement, give me progress. Why would I, as a grown working man, waste my time reading fiction? Now, obviously, I believe like you do, but I want you to fight against that. Make a case for why folks really need to read fiction, because the fiction stuff has helped me more than the non. You're saying the nonfiction has helped you more than the fiction? No, I'm saying the fiction. The fiction. The okay, fiction that's, is hung with me more. That's the argument that I'm making, is that fiction is the, the way forward. Tell me why. There are, to be clear, there are books out there that's no better than like playing a video game and wasting mm. time. Like there's all these Eat, romance. Pray, love. Yeah, there's all this romance garbage. There's all this fantasy. And like, I love fantasy. I love Lord of the Rings. It's on my list. Mm. But there are also tons of fantasy out there that you can buy the box set on Amazon for 99 cents. And it's just a walk in someone else's shoes that gives you nothing, right? Yeah. There's no, uh, there's nothing there to, to leave with you or help you grow. Then there's fiction that introduces history to you mm, yeah. through a lens that may be easier to digest than reading an autobiography on Churchill. Good. Um, and then there's fiction out there that, that takes you on a moral dilemma, Right, and then mm. brings you to a resolution to make you a better person. Right, and that should be the goal of all fiction writers. Would you put Steinbeck in that category? Steinbeck is highly obnoxious to me. So, I read of Mice and Men. Yeah, right, which is Steinbeck. Yes, yes, and that has no uh, identifying it as a great work of literature. Yeah, it has nothing to offer a person's life. I feel like he's an early moral deconstructionist. Yeah, that's fair. In, in, I would in, agree. In a, not, in a not good way. And he's an excellent writer. And mm-hmm. so all the Steinbeck I've read, I, I look at it and regard it as like, this is a fantastic work of art. It, it haunts mm-hmm. me after the fact. But it looks like he's always trying to take a moral uh, bulwark, something that is true, something foundational. And then he uses this outlier, imports it in, mm-hmm. invests you emotionally in it, and then through this outlier, you destroy the whole moral foundation of something. And so it's like he's always turning morality on its head. And so kind of like Nathaniel Hawthorne, who does mm. the same thing, that's part of why yeah. he's more of a modern classic, is because he's destroying something, like a progressive morality raging against all the good of the past. You destroy all the good of the Puritans by focusing on a smaller portion that happened in this idea and then wrote large. A lot of people don't even understand the good of the Puritans. They only regard them as all bad and like crazy. Uh, They just don't know any history except scarlet letter kind of things. And it's a tragedy, but Steinbeck does the same thing and it's obnoxious. This is a bit of a rabbit trail. I agree. Scarlet letter is one of those that no one should like waste their time with. Yeah, for me. but you know, I, I liked Young Goodman Brown a lot. That was a it was a short story. It was an allegory, um, but uh, that was a real fun uh, read for me. Anyway, there we go. Books, are yeah, great. books are great. <laughs> books are great. Books are great. So for me, fiction does something nonfiction can't for me. Nonfiction is really important, and I'm learning facts and dates and history. But really, I'd far rather learn history by reading historical fiction. Yes, because I can actually go there and have you know if like. It's so much richer and vibrant. Rather than just looking at dates and stuff, I'm actually going and seeing all the stuff and smelling the, you know, whatever. I want the author to do his homework and then take some creative liberty to help me go there. And then you really learn the history in a far, far better way, in a real way also, uh, if they've done their homework. And so I adore historical fiction. Uh, Also, fiction, it's something that powers your creative juices in a way that nonfiction doesn't. And really, what I, I 
desperately vie for. And the real genius that's going to carry the day for you vocationally and in life is being able to uh, crank up the juices on your creative powers. Einstein said the real test of intellect, uh, of intelligence, of brilliance was creativity. And so that's what I really need in my work and all that I do. It's creative inspiration. And fiction does that in a way that nonfiction doesn't. Now, I do both categories, but today I think a lot of folks that see the world more like me would benefit wildly more from fiction than they realize. You don't realize how it's helping you and grow you, but it is, especially if it's the right books, as you said. So let's jump in. And uh, do you want to do fiction or nonfiction first? I've got mine split up, uh, history, fiction, and then instructional. Mm, Okay. So I don't have that, but I'll do the best to mirror you. So just say the category, then say the work, and I'll try to, uh, I'll try to keep pace. Well, we're on fiction. So. Oh, well, I just, you know, I just let's change the thing. Fiction. Whatever you, 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 you do, you, you do, you we'll do whatever. Right, let's fiction. just do Harrison Cone show. You go ahead. You're, <laughs> you're talking about walking in places you can't walk, mm-hmm. and like, there's no world where you can go to Thermopylae, but you can't be at Thermopylae. Right, right. And that's my favorite book in the world, Gates of Fire. Gates of Fire. It's mine right there. So it's uh, let's. Fist bump in the middle. It's spectacular. It is great. This guy, Stephen Pressfield, and he's got a lot of great works out there. I just finished Tides of War. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not on my list, but shameless plug for him. This guy, I don't know how he does it. He like knows these guys. Yeah. Like he has met Socrates and he has met Alcibiades Absolutely. and he has met Leonides and Polynikes and Dionysus. Like all these yeah. guys, you're just like, how do you, how do you know what it, these men are thinking? It is it's, incredible. It's uncanny. It is. It, it, after reading Gates of Fire, uh, Tides of War, mm-hmm. Virtues of War, all of these comprise some of my favorite books by Stephen Pressfield. It's historical fiction, and it's going back to like the the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, and mm-hmm. and you're walking around, and it's it, just like if I didn't know anything about the author, I'd be sure that he was he had yes, to have been a Spartan at Thermopylae. No way, no one can write that, and he did it. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite Stephen Pressfield book, you read those three, mm-hmm. uh, Virtues of War, Tides of War, Gates of Fire, and then you read Man at Arms. And Man of Arms is the crown jewel cherry on top, yeah, okay. favorite of them all, but it's because I'd read the others first. Gotcha. So, Man at Arms on my list. Um, Killing Rommel. Haven't read it. Oh, is it's it the really? most oh. recent book I cried I okay. cried on. It's about the, the long-range desert patrol group. In I'm North doing Africa it. against Rommel. I'm doing it. It's spectacular. I'm going to read it. Totally like you took me by surprise. You can't even stop me. I'm going to do it. had no clue it was going to be as good as it was. Okay. All right. So we got uh, we got Pressfield. Oh, it's my turn, right? It's your turn. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go fiction as well. I'm going to go Ben-Hur. Oh, it's on my list. By Lou Wallace. Yeah, it's on my list. Uh, and the reason why is it was my introduction into historical fiction. Mm. It's the first book that really, it caught me by surprise. And I had known about like the cheesy Ben-Hur movie. Oh, cheesy. Wait uh, a minute. I've heard, well, I didn't see it when I was young. And okay. so like now, if you watch Star Wars four, five, and six, it'd be mm. like, what's the big deal of like, the big deal is it's a masterpiece, you heretic. <laughs> right, right. And you'd know it was a masterpiece if you saw it in the 1980s, like all sane people did. Right. Of like, I saw that junk when it came out. And so leaning on the sentimentality of the past, I can look back and say it's a masterpiece. But if I saw it for the first time now, it'd fall flat. Similarly, the Ben-Hur movies, I didn't watch and love as a kid. And so I see that action, and I think it sucks. I don't like any of it. I don't like the new Ben-Hur. I don't like the old Ben-Hur. But the book was pure fire. It was incredible. And so uh, that ignited my passion for um, historical fiction. And I got a a real good look at the first uh, tipping into the second century uh, Roman world. Yeah. And so that was really, really cool. That's good. Yeah, no, it, no, it's full, just first century. Uh, all right, cool, you're up. On that note, what got me into historical fiction, because I'm a big historical fiction fan, was Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. Oh, I don't have so that. So Fall of Giants is the first of the Century Trilogy, and it's World War One is all the first book. The second book is all World War Two, and the third book is Cold War, and it follows the same family lines through the whole. And so I, I'm reading... No kidding. Oh, like the trenches oh. of World War One. Um, you know, the, the coal miners that are getting mowed down at the Psalm and Passchendaele, you're just like these poor blokes that like, bro, we're I... just wanting to get out of their coal mines and then they just get wasted with the, mm-hmm. after a whistle. So introducing me to a, I can go places and I don't have to like dredge through a history book. 
Mm, that's, that's great. Is that's great. Yeah. Imagine if we could just get some of these kids out of the government indoctrination mm-hmm. camps they call public schools, and we could just give them a reading list. You and I, I'm like, here's your reading list, kid. You got four years. Have fun. Uh, what would be produced on the end of that? Of like, it just, I'll I think they take over the world. Years. They just take over the world. They crush it. They yeah. would absolutely crush it. Yeah. Jettison government schools, read these books. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just wind that kid up and let him go. He's going to crush it. Education complete. Yeah, I agree. Almost. Some people are like, what about algebra? You don't actually need much algebra in real life. I don't know if you know. Ryan, you using any algebra? When was the last time you used algebra, Heath? Uh, what? I don't algebra. Like in math? Yeah. I don't, I, I don't recall what that algebra is. Algebra three? It's been a, uh, no. I don't, that's Calculus. Not, you just made that up. There's no algebra There's three. an algebra three. Is there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they Never figured out a way it. to waste more time than algebra two. Yeah. Never used it. Yep. It's there. Wow. It's there. Somebody's going to be like, well, you, engineers need it. Then learn it at engineer school. Yeah, not an engineer. <laughs> Astronauts yeah. need it. Learn it at NASA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Math so. lost me when they incorporated letters. Yeah. Uh, yep. No, thanks. I agree. It's evil. <laughs> Uh, since we're on a historical fiction kick, this is pretty recent, but Conan and Golden's War of the Roses. There's four mm. of them. It's a long read, but it visits the 1300s, wow. and it's all historical fiction, and he crushes it. He does really, really well. The and real so it, Game of Thrones. It's War of Roses. I did not watch Game of nope, Thrones. I'm not in that. Um, but, but it was fantastic. What it showed me is the consequence of a weak man. Mm. Henry VI, Henry, the great Henry V, champion of Agincourt. Henry VI, his son, was a sickly and, mm. you know, he's just a weak king. And all the lords rose up and fought and plunged the country into a hundred years' war. And it was awful, yeah. the consequence, how much blood was shed because a weak man was on the throne when a strong man would have mitigated all this disaster. Wow. And so, no, no there, there's the sweetie pie, polite, whatever, that, that weak, spineless man is far more dangerous than the hero of Agincourt, than the war veteran, than the champion. Yeah. And the world doesn't realize that. It's a good message. You had, you, and so anyway, but uh, it was a really, really fun read. Uh, so Connor Golden's War of the Roses. All right, That's you're awesome. up. Since we're on a historical fiction kick. <laughs> we keep saying that back and forth. <laughs> yeah. um, the Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. No idea. All right, so you could chalk this up as like a sappy book about two sisters in France. But then when you the Nazis invade, and then it's mm. this grueling tale of survival mm. and how these two sisters pick these two different paths. One is I'm gonna going to they both end up spying for the resistance and for the allies, wow. but in different ways. Mm. Like one in the in the village, right? Uh, she's taking care of her kids. The SS have occupied the village. She's bringing intel that way, and the other sister is leading Allied pilots over the mountains into Spain to get them home, you know? And so there's, I've never wanted to punch a Nazi more in the face than after reading that book. Mm. Um, It, it talks about just lines of refugees. And we hope that every nonfiction author has truth laced in all their words. Yeah. Right. That lines of refugees out of Paris and like the, the Luftwaffe just for fun, just shooting at the lines of refugees. Is that fact? I haven't looked it up, but yeah, we know that atrocities worse than that occurred during right. World War II. And so yeah. to to read it through the eyes of these two women, um, and then the, their love stories intertwined, right. it's really a beautiful—your wife would love it. Yeah. You know, I've noticed a lot of the good historical fiction writers, they make it pretty easy to understand what's fact and what's fiction. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's very evident. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing when I go back through and study and check up the big facts and events— or solid. Yeah. They'll invent certain characters, but the characters would act and respond like someone uh, who lived there at the time of like, it's all fair game. So a lot of times I think the historical fiction writers understand the history better than the historians do. They become historians in the writing of this. And so I found that to, to be true. Probably because they're not as critical. Uh, they wanting to tell the story. Maybe so. Uh, you just uh, mentioning these sisters made me think of The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom biography. Mm, yeah. Real, real incredible. Uh, we were right near her house in Amsterdam wow. this last year. We wow. saw Anne Frank's uh, house. Oh, man. But it was crazy. But anyway, I think about Corey Ten Boom and her story. Spectacular. Uh, it shames me and my modern first world problems. But yeah. uh, I think about that book from time to time. And so 
It's not on my list, but uh, perhaps it should be. I'm going to break the cycle now of historical fiction, and I'm just going to go some fiction in general. Um, How about uh, the Chronicles of Narnia? I'm claiming all seven of them. I'm going to go and get it out there. Uh, Love, love, love those books. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia for the win. Uh, Even if you don't have kids to read them too, read them for yourself. Grown man. Uh, You'll love them, love them, love them. They're foundational. Yeah, foundational. They should be on that homeschool book list. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will, will, uh, maybe not the antithesis, but the companion to Narnia, Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Yep. You got to do that. Spectacular. Yep. All right. Good. That's on my list too. If I may, if I may. Yeah. In this world of fantasy, I hated reading growing up. Yeah, me too. I was in the public school system here in Georgia. Which is designed to kill your love for reading. Yes. AR tests when you had to read a book and then take a test. I read so much Hank the Cowdog. I was sick of reading. Mm. And then I found Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And then I found Aragon. And those series instilled in me not just a love of reading, but also to become a writer. You're young. Harry Potter when you were a kid? I grew up with Harry Potter. I Mm. read Harry Potter 1 when I was 11. Oh, okay. And I followed Harry Potter all the way through. Very good. This is me biting my lip, so I don't judge you. (laughs) You said it in the opening. I'm a young up-and-coming. I know, but then you proved it, and uh, so I have a grudge now. Uh, Here's one that you probably won't know. Uh, This book should be extremely famous, though it is not. One thing that you would know that is famous is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. I like that book, but I've got a different allegory that instead of following Christian, this companion, this this, Mm -hmm. uh, this traveler carrying a burden. This is like a, a young squire who converts and becomes a knight and then goes on his splendid way. And so it's basically an allegory story of his life and struggle. Oh, and it's called Sir Knight of the Splendid Way. And it is one of my favorite allegories of all time. It is better than Pilgrim's Progress. Sir Knight of the Splendid Way. Uh-huh. That's bold. By W.E.Q. Uh, incredible, incredible book. So in mine at home, I've got, uh, if you open up the cover of this hardback uh, book, you'll see a bunch of names. One was like one of my first mentors in the faith, and then another one after him, and then my name, and then about 15 or 20 other men who I've given this book off to, they'd read it and then sign their name to the front cover. Oh, that's cool. And so this book, it's like, you can feel like, man, there's some... And you know, you can only do that with books. Yeah, that's good. That's a unique power that books have. That's right. That's pretty cool. That's a good plug. All right. Um, I have up. one more fiction here. And there, again, this this list is a mile long, but those that have made a notable impact on my life, A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hassini. Mm, it's the, I've heard of that. He's the author of The Kite Runner. Um, this right. book is a book of hope before 2021, before mm. August 2021, when Afghanistan fell. Mm. And we had our disastrous withdrawal. It's a book about two women who are wives to the same man in Afghanistan he is a ruthless, evil man, and uh, it's about their escape from his his uh, tyranny, I suppose. And it follows a Soviet. They're, they're in there during the Soviets, and then in the end, it ends with American democracy in uh, Kabul. Oh. But then I finished the book in 2022, and I'm like, mm. oh, those poor women. Oh yeah, because the Taliban now yeah. is back, yep. and it's it's it's. Chapter three again for that. Yep. Very well armed and funded, thanks to yeah. us. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, I had a lot, so I'm just gonna Keep rattle going. off a few of them and then we'll move to nonfiction. Um, so nineteen eighty-four. Oh, yeah. Really big book. Wait, think fiction? about it all. This is fiction. Oh, sorry. This is fiction. Yeah, sorry. This is uh prophetic turn documentary. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Nineteen eighty-four, incredibly yeah. important work. People should also read Aldous Huxley's Brave New World mm. because what's happening now is not nineteen eighty-four or Brave New World, it's both. So there's a carrot and there's a stick. A carrot is the author the authoritarian totalitarian control of the world of nineteen eighty-four dystopian future. And the other is the carrot of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World mm. in that you can um, instead of cudgeling a people into submission, you um, over-entertain them and mm-hmm. indulge them. So all their virtue disappears. They entertain themselves to death, and they just hand you the keys to the palace without a fight. Yeah. And so both things are happening simultaneously. Wow. Uh, and so Huxley was wrong and Orwell was wrong, but together it's perfect. It's exactly what's happening. It's scary. Those you don't cudgel, you tempt. 
And those who you don't have that won't be tempted, you cudgel. Mm-hmm. So it's both the the tyrants mill like they studied both. I'm like, which one should we do? They're like, let's do both. And then they're they're doing both. So 1984, incredibly important work. Uh, so uh, same with Brave New World. Uh, other notable works, Les Miserables. Incredible, incredible. I just read it uh, That's last like reading year. French law. What? No, oh, this is so dense. It, it's no, good. it's, it's great, beautiful, it's dense. Oh, it's incredible. Sets your soul on fire. Count of Monte Cristo, which you unfairly castigated. No, it's phenomenal. Okay. In my context. Fair enough. Uh, and then Shakespeare. We got to say Shakespeare. All things Shakespeare. All things. All things. Especially Othello, Macbeth, and Hamlet for me. Mm, yep. They say you're either a Macbeth or Hamlet guy. Like they're both spectacular. I'm Hamlet guy. I'm yeah. more of a Hamlet guy. And Henry V. But I, I like some of the comedies too. Mm-hmm. And I like the romances. I don't like all of it. Uh, what a well, uh, what a broad writer. Yeah. He could do anything. He did everything. And fortunately, he lived at a time where he could. Yeah, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Well, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, sort of. He couldn't get away with everything. everything. Sure. So, uh, all right, we're jumping into the nonfiction category. You want to lead all us right. off? Yeah. Well, I'll start with some history. Okay, I'll do so history too. I I work in the pro-Israel space, mm-hmm. and the Diary of Anne Frank okay. for me is just it was the first time in my life where I encountered the hardship that children can have wow. in this world. Yeah. And it was totally foreign. I grew up in a well-to-do home. You know, had everything I ever wanted, and it was just wait a second, hold on, this happens. Yeah, and you know, key there is happens. It's the Diary of Anne Frank is not a one-off thing that happened almost a hundred years ago. Like it happens today. Yeah, Sound of Freedom stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's happening. Yeah, uh, yep, absolutely, fantastic one. All right, so I should probably do uh, history. Um, here, Bruce Shelley's Church History in Plain Language. Kind of gave me a big overview of the last couple thousand years, and I, I really dorked out on church history for years and years, and it kind of gave me the big handhold so I can think back throughout all the different centuries, and I kind of have the gist of what was happening mm-hmm. there. And then as world history, which I learned in school, and so I didn't learn at all, I went back and restudied yeah. later, and I was able to kind of attach it to those big handholds. You need handholds mm-hmm. throughout history. Otherwise, it just becomes this big gaggled mess, and you don't know where anything is. Yeah. And I know where stuff is, uh, but because I have these big handholds, and so I'm able to t- uh, attach the world history uh, stuff to it, and so I've got a, a, a pretty decent timeline in my head of the history of the world for someone who's not a historian. Yeah, that's so, great advice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Gangs in New York is happening at the same time as the Civil War, but you don't place that together if you watch the movie. Yeah, it's like that's, that's true. happening at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's funny. You yeah, know, the that's right. Wild Wild West and the Crimean War are mm. happening at the same time. You're like, what in the world? Yeah. So, very good. Uh, for me, history is the Pacific by Hugh Ambrose. It's uh, my grandfather fought in Guadalcanal in Bougainville mm. uh, with the Marines in World War II, and um, he was a machine gunner. And so, reading the Pacific, it's it's one of those that it it's a history book, but it reads like a historical fiction. Mm. And so, it just able to walk where my grandfather walked. Uh, through an actual historical analysis was was really impactful for me. Hmm. Very good. I'm not. I'm going to divert away from history because I feel like I've already done a lot of history through the historical sure. fiction. Yeah. So we've already been doing history a lot. I'm going to go to hear something. The Ranger Handbook. Ranger Handbook helped teach me war, and war ended up being really important for me once upon a time. So uh, Ranger Handbook. Ranger Handbook. Um, Rhetoric by Aristotle. Mm, my gift okay. from my grandfather, on a grandfather kick. Okay. And uh, it's just, I ended up majoring in rhetoric in college. Did you? Yeah. That's and cool. so uh, if, you, hey, if you're going to go to college, go for being a better human. Mm. Don't go to get a job. Go to be a better human. Nowadays, you, if you want to be a better human, don't go to college. <laughs> go to Hillsdale. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. just, like college, what, what do you, what's college? Right. College is a... Uh, Massive waste is of time and money it most of the time right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go here. Here's a curveball. Uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence mm. People. Yeah. I needed it really bad when I got out of the military. And so it was just uh, an early guide. I think I read it five times because I needed to read it mm. five times. Now, he was a salesman and his desire was to be true to his craft. He, he, he didn't want to ruffle feathers. He didn't want to 
say divisive truth, and I'm more of a catalytic person mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, people are going to hate me or people are going to love me, and nobody's really in between. And so that's not in the spirit of how to win friends and influence people. Uh, but I know how to do it. If I wanted to have more people like me, I could do it. I can win this person over, and I can become their friend even if they don't like me, mm-hmm. person to person, not through a screen. Through a screen, it's easy to hate people. But if we were right here, even with a sharp critic, some blue-haired person, I-, I could make it extremely hard for them to dislike me, and I could, I-, I could, in love, not something flattery, not something fake, I could actually show love for this person and reach them where they're mm-hmm. at, and I know kind of— what how to win friends and influence people did for me was it kind of gave me a practical how-to guide to love people you love them you want to show it but you have this divide and i don't really know how to how to do that in our context now and this really provided me some great ways so that i could do that uh remove obstacles have take somebody who's offended and hates you and break down that barrier and make a friend and so uh from apologetic standpoint that was extremely important now I don't do it a lot of times because I'm not just trying to win everyone to my mm-hmm. uh, to be my buddy. I don't care if ever if everyone speaks well of me. It's because I'm not standing for something important. So yeah. I'm not like Dale Carnegie. I'm not a salesman. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a philosopher. I'm more theological. I'm more of a nope. This is right and this is wrong, and you need to do the right and stop doing the wrong. And people hate you if you yeah. tell them the truth. And I'm prepared to be hated, but. Uh, the tools are really important. I still remember them, and I opt to be hated. Uh, so anyway. Good for you. How to win friends and influence people. That's awesome. Came with a huge caveat emptor, but uh, you're up. Yeah, in the same vein, there were there was uh, two books. Well, it's technically three books, but How to Be a Gentleman by John Bridges. Mm. That series on like how to be a gentleman, as a gentleman would say, and how a gentleman is dressed. Like, What, what time period is this? Oh, they talk about pagers. Oh, okay. I was picturing like top hat and monocle no, kind no, of no. thing. It's like a, a gentleman never brings his pager to a dinner date. Like yeah. it's it's the awkward period of technology. Yeah. Um, but my dad gave those to me um, when I was coming of age, and I was just at a conference in D.C. for work, and I was a bunch of Gen Z kids, very some very impressive ones, and then some that like man, no one told you how to dress or yeah. wear a tie or how to shake a hand, how to look a man in the eye. Like none of that was taught to you. And, and yeah. this book helped walk me through and, help, and it allowed me to see my dad doing those things. It yeah. just kind of opened up a lens of, hey, this is what a, a man does in the world that, that is successful and a contributor and, and all of that. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Cool. Oh, and I pair that with George Washington's rules, uh, rules of civility and decent behavior. Okay. Which is great. It's Super like chicken and white wine. You're just yeah. pairing these things. Everything. Together. That's great. Everyone okay. should read it. But I feel like you snuck in a twofer. I did. I, well, it, George, George Washington's is like three pages long, so right. it's more of a pamphlet. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so I've got some theological and philosophical works here. For theological, I'd go Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. I knew you were going to say that. Yep. I told my seminary that I was going to read that, and they were all like, good luck. Yeah, it, it's about this <laughs> fat. It is a massive yeah. book. You'd look at them like, oh, you don't read this. This is like... A reference. And it's like a referential yeah. encyclopedia. I'm like, I read that action cover to cover. I loved it. I thought it was great. You deserve an award. I got the reward. I, I got the information got the in the book. Internal reward. <laughs> yeah, my, my mind was built uh, like a systematic theologian would have had it. And so, yeah, yay for that. So I That's love that book. I thought it was fantastic. Well, on that note of theology, All of Grace by Charles Spurgeon. Oh, I'm so glad you said Spurgeon. I He's great. Yeah, once-in-a-lifetime communicator, Absolutely. one of the greatest communicators. He was the greatest communicator of the 19th century, bar none. Yeah. And the greatest of the 18th century? Whitfield. George Whitfield. Absolutely, George Whitfield. bar none. Once-in-a-century once in a century level communicator. I was going to say King George, but the other George. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Um, all of grace... If you're interested at all in this Christian thing, which I believe everyone should be, it is an easy, short read that lays out the whys mm. really well. Like, why does God love me? Why is there evil? And why I should care? It's mm. just, I, I read it in my 30s, and I was like, I say that like I'm not in my 30s, which means I read that like two years ago. Got it. Um, but it it uh, it was just reaffirming in my life, like, oh yeah, yeah. it's like a good a good checkup, if right. you will. Yep. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to go real heady theology here. Francis Schaeffer, 
has a trilogy. Now, this is three books, but it's all in one book. The Left Behind series? No, it's not. No, no. Though I did read all the Left Behind series. It's like 11 or 12 yeah. books. I read them all. Uh, but uh, no, definitely not. Um, they were entertaining reads. Um, I, I take a, a pretty um, questionable look at the eschatology there. However, sure. let's jump in. Uh, Francis Schaeffer has his trilogy. He is there and he is not silent. The God who is there and escape from reason. Mm-hmm. It's all in one. This is not an easy or light philosophical read. As you're reading through, and I read through uh, kind of, oh man, I would have been early in my 30s, early in my 30s. Uh, And it could have been, actually, it may have been late, late 20s, but I didn't have enough of an education built at the time so that I could even understand what was going on. So it took me a long time to get through these Mm -hmm. books because he was assuming Dr. Schaefer was assuming that I was really well briefed up on the history of art Mm. and philosophy and world history and theology. And so he would spit out all this stuff as it's this, he's building this, you know, a big edifice and I didn't have foundational blocks that were missing. So I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who, who is this guy? You know, and I'd have to, who's Heidegger? And I'd have to go back and read that. Who's Camus? I've like, I, I didn't know these works. And the, yeah, so I had to go back and, and learn what this stuff was. He's talking about postmodernism and philosophical injections into art and like, and all this stuff. And it was like, it was a hard read, but man, was it worth it. I, I, I know there was uh, my philosophical masters, C.S. Lewis, his Mere Christianity. Oh, that's on my yeah. list, Mere Christianity. I read 27 of C.S. Lewis's books. Uh, and then when I was done with Lewis, I graduated to even more difficult work, and that was Francis Schaeffer. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's kind of like undergrad, you know, master's doctor, sure. you know, like sure. that, That not, not to say that yeah. I'm way high up. I'm just saying that was the jump for me. Yeah. Lewis was hard enough. When I first started reading Lewis, Mere, Mere Christianity, I couldn't handle more than a chapter in a day. Mm. My brain would just—it wasn't that the words were big, though some of them were. It was that the thoughts were so heavy. Yeah. And, and it was just like trying to hold up. Like I'm, I'm straining to think. It's like trying to do long division in your head. You're like, mm, I just don't have the power. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to build that over time. Now I can read Lewis and it's quite easy. You know, it's like, I understand all these philosophical things. But yeah, yeah, yeah check, 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 check. And I'm looking for a new morsel, you know, like it's yeah. easy now. But at the time, it was really heavy. Mm. Uh, and I had to grow into Schaefer. Somebody that I'm still not really grown into, though is uh, G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton is, when I really want to stoke creative fires, I'll go to Chesterton, The Prince of Paradox. Uh, but uh, have you read much G.K. No. Chesterton? No, you're on another level, dude. So good, yeah. so good. All right, uh, so I just took you, three different no. authors on like six books, so I totally cheated. You mentioned Lewis, <laughs> yeah. um, so I will mention my Lewis's. Okay. Miracles. Okay, okay. Which yeah. was my first kind of dive into like what, what actually is a miracle? It's right. like a, a, it's almost like a genre criticism on miracles. Like how do yeah. they, how do they, how do they work? Like right. how do you recognize them? So that was really beneficial. And then of course, screw tape letters. So incredible. Good. Have you seen the play? The play. You've not seen no, the play? No, I haven't. Uh-uh. You need to take your boys. Okay. And, we and, just saw a play at the, we went to the Bible Museum in DC. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend Bible Museum. Wasn't really it's on wonderful. my radar. You've seen it too? Oh, I've been many times. The okay. rainbow, like... Did you have that moment walking through the rainbow room and you're like, what is this? Oh, it's the rainbow. It's God's promise. Oh, yeah. In the um, walk through the Hebrew walk Bible. Walk through the Hebrew so, Bible. That was one of my favorite parts. It's amazing. It was incredible. So we were, um, I spoke in D.C. Uh, for Young America's Foundation. Went very well. Loved right. that. Then I kept, uh, you know, we stayed another four days or so and I brought the kids uh, to all the monuments and we just turned it into a little homeschool thing. And, cool. you know, I was also meeting some folks. So I had some business lined up, but... In the meantime, whenever we could, we'd steal away to these monuments. And then the last two days we spent at the Bible Museum. Yeah. And I was blown away because that was kind of like thinking, I guess I'll do that. I had very low expectations, and it blew them away. By far, my boys, my wife, and my favorite part of D.C. Uh, it wasn't all the monuments, though that was really cool. We also got some of those scooters, and we rode the scooters all around the monuments. Yeah. So I had my boy on the front and, you know— Becca had another boy on front. We were just zipping around. That's awesome. It was wild fun. That's going to be with him forever. That's cool. Yeah. But we went to see a, a Horse and His Boy, C.S. Lewis's yeah. book, Horse and His Boy. They did a play 
there oh, cool. at the Bible Museum was spectacular. But That's awesome. I need to see screw tape letters. It's a one-man show, and it's all screw tape monologuing to the audience. No kidding. It's spectacular. Have you seen the new movie Nefarious? I have not. Oh, uh, Ryan or Heath, have you? Yeah. What no, did you good. think? It's good. It was deep. Uh, but it, it, it was one of those things where you're like, okay, I think... I see what's going on in the world, yeah. and they put it in a way where you could digest it easily mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I feel like I might be seen behind the curtain a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Spectacular. Very, very, nice. very well done. Uh, and so it it's not like a storyline of, it's not it's not trying to do screw tape letters, but it takes the idea and does it in a oh. very, very good movie. Cool. So uh, nefarious. nefarious. And there's an old one. This is the 2023 Nefarious, so make sure you get the right movie. There's a, a horror movie. By the way, it looks like it's going to be a horror movie, and it's totally not. Okay, uh, great. But like, you don't show like a nine-year-old this, you know? Sure. Nine and a half, you're good. No, just... <laughs> uh, you got any others? I got a couple um, more. I have an instructional... It's moving away from theology. So if you want to keep on the theology mm. trail... No, whatever. The Bible? No. The Bible we haven't said the be, Bible? No, we haven't. Well, it's understood between two <laughs> no, Christians should, that it so would be the Bible. Said, some people are pulling Read out their the hair. Of, it, it satisfies all categories, including fiction, yeah. parables, fiction... Well, I, I plan to lead with that because typically when everyone says, what's your favorite book? I'm like, the Bible, because I read it every, every day. day. Yeah. It, and it's almost it's almost categorically not a book. It, well, it's 66 books yeah. uh, pushed together. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's more of like my EDC. Sure. <laughs> it's like I don't sure. even consider. So Bible is more important than all this stuff put yeah. together. I so have a hard time. Thank re- you for saying yes, that. If welcome. we hadn't said it. I'd, I'd get back in here like, no, 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 we got to do the thing. <laughs> Edit this at the front. Like, there's, there's a Bible right yeah. there. We just what, had, we, what's the before, leather on that one? Is it calfskin? Yes, is it's it, calfskin. Yes, calfskin. I'm such a Bible snob. <laughs> calfskin, goatskin, all leather yeah. stuff. It's and the Word so, of God, man. Bro, I, I, well, it it's it becomes heirlooms of I'll take a Bible, mm-hmm. I'll study, I'll go through it, and I'll do underlining from cover to cover, and then that becomes something that I can give mm-hmm. as a very special gift. Someone receives it and I'm like, oh, John put a hundred hours into this thing and my boys will inherit some of these high quality Bibles, but the hardbacks or the cheap Italian duotone and the Mm -hmm. limit imitation, those will fall apart. Uh, These Bibles, they will last for my kids' kids. And so that's going to be a real special thing. So that's why I go all out and buy really expensive Bibles. All King James. Um, but before we came into this to do this, what were we doing over here? Bible study. Yeah, we had we had four Bibles out on a, on a, our war room table uh, doing the thing. So anyway, Bible's most important. Uh, what what else have you got? Um, I have Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I'm glad you went a lot. Ramsey would be a great source. That's good. changed my life. Yeah, yeah, like just how I manage money. Like, it is one of the most crucial books I've read, yeah. practically. Very good. In that money vein, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's mm. probably, that's a real important financial, mm. and then Financial Peace University. Yeah. That's a pretty good uh, one. Um, yeah, is it Ogmandingo, uh, the ah, greatest salesman? There's one. That's a, a cool money stewardship uh, book. Let's see. Um, I'll go Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It's uh, Josh McDowell, Sean McDowell. They're apologists, but early in the military, uh, I went through that, and it's a huge reference book. But that became an extremely important tool for me, uh, and there's amazing good stuff in that. So every every library should have evidence that re- demands a verdict. Cool. All right, you're up. The Warrior Poet Way. Shut up. By John Shut Lovell. up. No, get do a real one. That's no, I, not this is a real one. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. I, I feel very uncomfortable. I know you do. I'm going to walk away. It would be away. like if you said Saber Down. Saber Down was an amazing book. Thank you. I loved it. And that Thank blew you. me away. And we've already had a discussion yes. on this. Warrior but Poet this Way. This is favorite books. So it, it's not. Look, I've, I don't read a lot of self-help books. They're just not my cup of tea. I read Warrior Poet Way. There's a poem in there. Mm-hmm. Chills. Just amazing. But Thank no, my, my point is it, it helped me realize like I'm on the straight and narrow. Pe- I'm doing good. People are now going to assume that this whole thing not paid. was about you to do that nope. for me nope. as if you were a plant. Nope. Thank nope. you very much. I feel very uncomfortable. You're overly gracious. Like, I absolutely no. Genuinely. This is not allowed. Strike this from the record. Right, fine. Cut it out. The Gatekeepers by Chris Whipple. I don't know this. So um, it, it has a little leftist slant. 
Um, I, I'm fine with it. But the it uh, introduced me to the inner workings of the White House. It's about the chiefs of staff. Mm. And it's, so it's a it's a collection of the first chief of staff under, I believe it was Nixon. Who distributes the cocaine these days? You know, he doesn't get into it. No. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sure it's... Very good. Uh, and and who know. covers up the sex scandal stuff? N- not I, the I imagine they have whole teams of people. They have whole teams of people that do that. So as a, as a writer of, you know, yeah. military thrillers, you kind of, you know, po- modern political fiction, and even if I were to branch into other things, like understanding how... Those things work. Mm. And it's not just some like magical. That's not just one guy making a decision. Yeah, like the amount of work the president doesn't do is staggering. I believe it. Yeah, and so you just and and the most but, powerful person in the world might be the chief of staff. Wow. Well, I will say to the president's defense, those ice cream cones and those beaches aren't going to visit themselves. You know, you can't. Those ice cream cones aren't going to eat themselves. Yeah. Right. So. Don't pretend like the chief of staff is doing that for Biden. He'll do that action all by himself, yeah. uh, you know. And so I just I just wanted to give a defense uh, right there for him. Uh, Wild at heart. Great. Big book. deal. Big deal yeah. for me. And, and yeah. especially of like that was a, a, a book that very early on my journey uh, helped me find a missing piece. And this mm. would have been like 2002 or 2003. Uh, level so 20 plus years ago uh really really helped me and so again we're looking at books that help transform us so of like these books built me uh you know these books built me and so uh that would certainly be in it and yeah. of like on my book warrior poet wait who's on the front eldridge right yeah. there up at the hey, top. you said it i was gonna say it but you said it okay you want to do a final one i'll give you the last one i don't have a final one we, did we just go yeah. a completely yeah, perfect was, even list? That was it. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, cool. So there you have it, guys, listening on podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to continue on with the show to do our very popular Q and ambush section. That's all kind of wisdom coming out in weird, quirky questions. Some of them are just fun, and some of them are hard-hitting, very helpful that wouldn't fall just in a normal episode. We'll also do our dad jokes section, and I think we're foregoing the training tip because we're way over time on this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sign up at watchwpsn.com. We'd appreciate the support. That's watchwpsn.com. And uh, then you can download us in whatever app store you would like to use. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. See you next time.